0: How do you make sure the things that you're focused on are the highest value things so you're providing the most value for your clients and for us that typically translates into the most profit within our business and how do we do that in a way where we're eliminating waste and not wasting time money and energy on anything that we don't need to so increasing value while decreasing waste.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth, and today's guest is Krista Grasso. Krista's the go-to strategic planning and systems expert for online businesses when they want to scale. She's known as the Business Optimizer, And she's got the ability to quickly cut through noise and provide clarity on the core things that are going to make the biggest impact to scale a business simply and sustainably. She's the founder of the Lean Out Method, creator of the Lean Business Scaling System and host of the Lean Out Your Business podcast. Now, today we're going to be talking about lean methodology, what it is, why it matters, how to track waste in your business and what to do about it. Before we dive into our interview with today's guest, I've got something important to share with you. Do you want to know the eight steps that can add tens of thousands of dollars to your course sales every month? If you do, go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash webinar, and you'll be able to watch the recording of a presentation I gave to a group of fellow course creators. And in the presentation, I'll reveal the exact techniques we've used to two to five times our students' revenue. And for example, you'll discover the number one thing you need to do if you want to see your course sales increase. If you adopt that habit your sales numbers are likely to jump by 50 percent or more in one month and stay there month after month you also learn the easiest way to get twice as many premium level course buyers as you have now i've had people come up to me at conferences i had someone come up to me and say this like two weeks ago i heard the presentation he implemented one of the tactics and he made tens of thousands of dollars in extra revenue and as he said i'll buy you a beer i was like that sounds like more than one beer dude you know <laughs> So if you want to go and if you want to see all eight techniques and what they are and how they work, go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash webinar and sign up to watch the presentation. It's free at the moment. I hope you enjoy it and I hope it makes you loads of money. Krista, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation.
1: Nice. All right. So kick everybody off. People probably don't know about lean methodologies. So can you give us the high level overview? What is it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll break lean down into kind of my understanding and interpretation of it, which is really about how do you make sure the things that you're focused on are the highest value things? So you're providing the most value for your clients and for us, that typically translates into the most profit within our business. And how do we do that in a way where we're eliminating waste and not wasting time, money, and energy on anything that we don't need to? So increasing value while decreasing waste. And I think that's something we all want across all facets of our life, but certainly in our business.
1: Nice. Okay. So increasing productivity, decreasing waste. Was it productivity
0: Value. So yeah, productivity is absolutely part of that.
1: Okay. Increasing productivity and decreasing waste. All right. So what are common areas of waste that people have got in their business at the moment?
0: Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, There are 10 core (laughs) ones that I see a lot in service-based, course-based businesses. One of the biggest is unnecessary complexity. It's so easy to be distracted by bright, shiny objects. It's so easy to feel like we need to do all the things. And as a result, it can end up being really complex, sometimes behind the scenes to create and sell and launch and deliver what we create. It can sometimes be complex for people to hire us and work with us or buy our courses. And so I think unnecessary complexity is a really big one to look out for. And one that is a close cousin to that one is focus on new versus optimizing what you already have. As natural creators and ideators, we love the creation process. We don't always love the fine-tuning and optimizing process, but most of the actual money and certainly the increased profitability tends to come from optimizing what's already working in your business instead of going off and constantly doing new things. But that kind of goes against the nature of entrepreneurs in a lot of ways. So there's eight others, but those are are the top two that I see most frequently
1: okay so how can someone because it's sometimes it's hard when you're in the moment of it to realize you've made things complex because these top two things with complexity and focusing on new versus optimizing what we've got so how could somebody spot if they've made something too complex
0: Yeah, absolutely. First thing with complexity is, are there more steps than there need to be? And then the second part of it is you always want to be working smarter, not harder. So are there things that you're doing that just simply take a lot of time or a lot of manual effort that don't need to? And the answer is the same with both. You have to actually give yourself the space to look at what you're doing so you can assess the answer to those questions. So I always like to look at, and I challenge my team as they're supporting me to look at Is there a simpler way to get the same or better results? And if you sometimes just ask that question before you do something, or when you look at your process for delivering one of your courses or creating one of your launches, if you go through all of that, sometimes you will find that, yeah, there is a way to do this simpler and still get the same or better results, or there's a way that we could automate or put some systems in place so that things aren't so complex or so variable in the way that we're approaching them.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, one of the things that we did when we started working with course creators on their funnels and email marketing was we tested out all the different tactics that you can use that are effective for increasing revenue. So there's a lot of different marketing gurus and they've all got different tactics that they recommend, you know, webinars, email promotions, launches, Sideways sales letters, video sales letters, there's all in you know, a wide range of different ways that you can you can set all this kind of thing up. They're based on the same basic principles, but they they're done in different ways. And we tracked with all of them what was it that we did, how well did it work, what percentage of people did it work for, how long did it take, and what was the increase in revenue. And then we went through and did the analysis and cut it down to like what's the absolute crucial, what's the ones that always work for everybody that are relatively effective in terms of time in versus time out now that was great right and we've got that system and, and we teach people that and as that webinar i mentioned at the beginning that's called people and go and learn what those are but that took a lot of work in terms of like tracking that you know we had loads of data that we're collecting around that if you haven't got that like what's some ways if you haven't got that data you haven't been collecting that you are there, are there some ways that you can do this intuitively like how would you figure out what the simpler way to get better results is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you did that because really it comes down to 80-20, right? What are the 20% of things that you can do that will drive 80% of your results? The rest is just a distraction. And Mm. if you've done a lot of that work for people, that's so incredibly valuable. So for anyone listening, if you're not currently tracking your own metrics and you don't have that data Leverage something like that where someone has already done a lot of that hard work for you, but there are some techniques that you can leverage within your own business as well. And one of those is a technique that I've developed that I call Chuck, and it's cut, hold, change, and keep. And it's simply looking at everything that you're doing and running it through a few questions to say, is this actually producing the results that we want? Is it providing a return on investment? Is it something fulfilling that we actually enjoy? Is it aligned with where we wanna be taking the business next or who we wanna be working with next? Or is it something that's an investment where we're putting time and money in now, hoping that it's something that will pay off in the future because it's more of a sustainable long-term strategy as opposed to a quick win strategy? And I think you wanna look at all of the different things that you're doing and you wanna run them through those filters to say, is this something we can cut it doesn't align with any of those four categories is it something that, yeah, might make sense, but maybe it's not something I need to be doing right now. I can place it on hold. And then where things get really interesting is in keep and change. So keep means it's working great. It's working exactly the way that you want to. You want to keep doing more of it because it's providing results. And change is where optimization comes in. Changes, this is a really great strategy. I know this can get traction, even if it's an intuitive knowing right now, because you don't have the data to back it. It's where you start to experiment and say, what can I change up? What can I experiment with to see if I can get better results? And that's when you want to start tracking and you want to start looking at, is this thing that I just tried, did it actually give me better results? What results did it give me? And what does that tell me? And so I think you can go down a rabbit hole of trying to track everything, but if you first get clear on what's most important, and then you look at tracking your results around that, it simplifies things and it creates space for you to be able to do that.
1: So I'll talk through how we do that kind of optimization in the funnel world. And then it'd be great if I could get some examples from you of like how you might do it kind of elsewhere. So in funnels, what you do is you break a funnel down into smaller and smaller steps. So for example, if you've got an email promotion and then you get a certain amount of sales from it, that's one big step, but you could change it into, well, how many people did we email? How many of those opened the email? How many clicked on the email and link in the email and went to the sales page? Of the ones who got to the sales page How many clicked and got to the checkout page? Of those who got to the checkout page, how many bought? What percentage of them bought an order bump? What percentage of them bought an upsell? What was the total average revenue? And all of those are separate steps. And so you can track each of them and go, right, which of these are good and which of them are not good? And normally what you'll find is some steps work well and some steps don't. And you can work on the ones that don't work well. And it's tricky for most people in that situation because they don't know what a good conversion rate is what what does good look like is what i've got great or is it you know terrible at the moment and so we help people with that in the funnel side of things but that's that's kind of my way of looking at this and i kind of get that but how would you do that in another part of the business how would you look at this if it's not around funnels
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you think about, if we go with the funnel analogy there, right? If you look at the end-to-end funnel, you're generating some kind of leads. Mm -hmm. You're doing something to try to nurture those leads and get them to either opt in or opt out. Yes, what you're providing and offering is something that's of interest to me, or it's not, I'm out. And that's, equally valuable. And then you're eventually getting them to the place where it's what you're talking about, where you're going through and looking at all those specific steps and how well are they converting and what can we do to improve upon each one of those? Because when you're looking at that, the smallest improvements in conversion rates can have a massive impact on the amount of revenue that you're bringing in, right? Which I know you know. And so I think that That's true across every single thing that you do in your business. And so if we take that and apply that to client experience, so Mm -hmm. now you've got somebody who's converted, somebody's bought, amazing, you've got them in. Well, how do you retain them as a client? How do you get them to want to buy more of your courses or move into a premium or VIP tier of something that you have, depending on what your offer suite looks like? So I would be looking at from the second somebody clicks that buy button, what are all of the different steps and things that they get? How seamless and simple is it for them to be able to access their course, to automatically receive their login instructions, to get confirmation of what they purchased and what their expectations are? to join calls if you have that as part of your course or not, or to submit questions. So thinking about that client experience and looking at each step of it. And if you do look at your data, you can usually see trends and themes. People who can't access their program in the beginning tend to ask for more refunds or things like that, right? That might not be true for you, but I'm just using an example. Mm-hmm. So looking at that whole client experience from the time they purchase, and then looking at and trying to understand what made somebody refer your course to someone else, or what made somebody retain as a client and continue working with you at a higher tier or buying something else from you.
1: Got right. Okay. So same principle, but now applied to client experience. You take all of the steps that somebody goes through and you might look at this as steps like, did they start the course? Did they finish the course? Did they, were they happy with it? Did they send a referral? Did they buy the VIP thing that maybe that's your kind of stages of what you're looking at. And then you've got all the things that you're doing to get them to start the course, to get them to finish the course, to get, you know, like what, how well do those steps work? Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if you're working with somebody on that, What's step one? Is step one figuring out the flow before you start tracking data, I'm guessing?
0: Yeah, I call it strategic systems for scale. And so I think one of your strategic systems for scale is a lot of the end to end, how do you get leads all the way up until the point of purchase? But then once somebody does buy, it's the whole client delivery system. And it is more workflow. It's mapping out what are those overarching steps. What do you include? What do what should they get access to? How do they get it? It's looking at the client experience as well as the fulfillment on the back end experience for. You and your team from a tools, technology, and step perspective. And we map out and workflow all of that. It sounds like a lot, but you can actually do it in about 90 minutes. It mm-hmm. doesn't take that long. And it is incredibly valuable to have that because you can really quickly spot gaps if there are any. And it gives you your high level category. So you know exactly what it is that you should be
1: tracking. And how would you recommend somebody maps out that flow? Is this like sticky notes on a whiteboard? Do you do that in software? Like what do you find works well for that?
0: Yeah. So one of my very favorite tools on earth is a tool called Miro. There's another tool called Mural that's kind of similar. So choose your favorite, but it's basically just a virtual whiteboard. So if you have the ability to do this on a physical whiteboard in your notebook, that's fine too. If you want to go digital, love Miro. And I'll do this collaboratively with my team or with my clients, but just start mapping out and creating virtual sticky notes for each of the different steps and connecting them together. And so it's, Do this and then this and then this and then this. And what I always like to ask my clients and ask myself when I'm doing this in my own business is where will my client get stuck at this step or where will my team or technology hit a roadblock at this step? And so if you do that after you map it out, you can really quickly look at areas of optimization.
1: Okay. When you are mapping that out, how much do you find people? don't know what their own flow is to start is it like if the people like oh yeah i've got this and they kind of put all the sticky notes and it's all fine or is it like oh i don't know what happens next you know how does that tend to go
0: It's surprising to me sometimes how little people really do know all those steps or really think through the steps. Again, as natural creators, we tend to be more abstract thinkers. So that very linear thinking, do this, then this, then this, in order to deliver this, I need this tool or this technology. It doesn't always naturally go with the way that a visionary thinks. And so I think it can be incredibly valuable to partner with someone else or to, if you have that really analytical systems process oriented ops person on your team or that friend, call them and work with them if you're not ready to actually hire somebody to help you with it. But I think that you do want somebody who can take the abstract and actually put it into more of a system and process flow, because that is where you will find gaps. And even those people who feel like they know it without fail. I don't know that I've ever done a session with someone and not found a few areas of major optimization opportunities.
1: Nice. Okay. So following on from that, someone's gone through, they've put all the sticky notes down, they've spotted that like, oh, that's weird. There doesn't seem to be a step here or that's, I don't know how this works, whatever. What's next after that?
0: Yeah. After that, it's just like what we were talking about with improving conversions. It's looking at the highest points of leverage that are going to give you the best results. So great. You right now have this whole piece that you're doing manually. Every single time someone joins something you're manually following up with them you're manually going in and checking to see if they're actually logging in and accessing the course and you're manually sending them an email to move on to the next piece of the customer journey. Well, how could you put an automated email sequence in place to support that. How could you put an automation in place to support that. And so it's really just looking at what they currently have and looking for ways to automate, systematize, and simplify what's there. And that answer is different for everybody, but it's usually getting a lot of the variability out of the system. So it's like, oh yeah, no, when I follow up with people, they always tend to buy the other course, but sometimes I just get busy and I don't follow up. I'll hear that. Type Hmm. of thing from people sometimes. So take the variability off the table. It shouldn't be dependent on you or your assistant or somebody in your team to follow up. It should automatically happen after a certain period of time when somebody's invested in your program.
1: Okay. So someone's gone through, they've looked into all these different steps the chuck, the cut, hold, change, and keep. Did I get those right?
0: Yep. Sure did. Okay, cool.
1: They got to, they've decided they're going to cut something that doesn't need to happen. They maybe found something to change. They've gone through and done the sticky notes process to kind of map out the whole, every step. And in here, they found something that could be optimized. It could be made from manual into automated. It could be that there's a step that's just missing. There's something that's not there. Maybe they've started looking within that area that is needs optimizing it, like tracking, like, okay, how many people come in here? How many people get to this stage? How many people get to that stage? What can we do to improve that? What's next in terms of like the ongoing optimization? How do you keep working through that on an ongoing basis?
0: Yeah, I recommend that everybody has what I call an optimization backlog and that they dedicate a minimum of an hour a week the what I call optimization hour. So just from a creating space perspective, there's always things that you can improve upon within your business, so you want to capture those things, stick them in your backlog, and once per week, you want to take at least an hour and go in and be improving. Now, the things that you should be looking at optimizing is, again, where can you you know, get the most leverage and get better results from what you're already doing? But also, if you have a course, if you have content that you've put out, naturally, that content is going to depreciate in value over time you are going to want to be updating it. You're going to want to be looking at the feedback and the comments that people have gotten. Maybe you want to be updating your sales copy because you hear from people all the time how incredible this one piece is that you don't even call out on your sales page. Maybe you want to build more content around a particular area that people are asking you for. So I think there's the, you know, how do you optimize what you do from a client experience perspective, but there's also ways that you could take that and leverage that to be bringing in more clients on the front end, as well as retaining the ones that you have. So to me, those are the sorts of things that go in optimization, looking for the things that go into your change bucket from a Chuck perspective that you could be making better and looking at ways to continue to up-level the content, the course that you have so that you are providing the most relevant content in the way that people need to hear about it in order to make a decision to buy it or continue doing it or to show up and actually take action so that they're getting the result that they signed on for.
1: So you've gone through, you've done your sticky note exercise, you found the areas that needed improving, you've put them into your, what did you call it again? The optimization bucket?
0: Optimization backlog.
1: Backlog, sorry. Okay. And then you're working your way through those doing one hour a week, like making even tweaks and improvements to all of those things. Do you find that people at some point then are like, okay, I've done all of those, I need to go back and do the sticky notes all over again, in order to kind of look at figure out or is it like, you know what, you've just got so many things that you'll never get through all of them? Or like, how does that tend to work?
0: Yeah. I recommend that you do Chuck at least every 90 days. I do that as part of my 90 day retrospective and planning. So as I look back on what I did in the past 90 days, I think it's really good to reflect on what did we do and how well did it work? Do I want to keep doing it or does it not make sense to invest the time in that? And I could create the space for something else or something new that is important to be focused on in the business. So at a minimum, I think you want to do that every 90 days. I don't think you ever, ever hit a point in your business that There is not something to optimize because I think that that's how you stay relevant. That's how you have sustainable results and stay ahead of changes that are coming. Is by continuously improving upon what you currently have.
1: Now, one of the things that you mentioned in there was about choosing the most relevant thing, the most important thing, in order to work on. So you're prioritizing your backlog, your optimization backlog, and putting the most uh, impactful things at the top. There's going to be stuff in there that you want to work on that isn't the most important how can people want to work on everything, all the shiny objects like you're talking about before? How can they handle that? Have you got any like emotional ways people can kind of work through that?
0: Yeah, I'll start with the the tactical way and then move into Mm -hmm. the emotional. So there's something that I call an impact effort matrix. Those of you listening may have heard of that, or it's pretty obvious in its description of what it is, but you want to look at what is the impact in making this optimization on the business and what's the effort related on doing so. And if you can tackle the things that have a big impact and a low effort, it actually will typically get you back time in your day. And so what I always tell people is turn it into a little bit of a game. If you've got this really fun thing that you wanna be doing over here, but you know that it's really not the thing that's gonna make the biggest impact and it's gonna take you a whole lot of time, Well, go ahead and see how you can get the time to do that back in your week Mm -hmm. by doing the things that are actually going to give you time back, do those things that are going to have a really big impact on time. So you're giving yourself space to work on some of that other stuff. And then when you get through with that, you have that space back in your calendar going forward. So sometimes it's just a matter of as business owners, we need to do what we need to do to lead a thriving business and to keep moving things forward, but we also want to do what's fulfilling and what's enjoyable. And so it's that dance between the two. And as often as possible, you want the Venn diagram to overlap on those. (laughs) Sometimes you just simply have to do the things that you need to do. So do those things to create the leverage for the other things that you really want to do.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a, a game I've been playing for a little while now. It's like, okay, what can I do? That's going to save me a half an hour a week, every week from now on until eventually you're like, okay, I've got all of Fridays. I can spend all of Fridays now working on whatever it is that I think is then going to improve the business further. And ideally save me some more time, like get some more things. And then eventually it's like, oh, it's cool. Actually, I get to spend the time on it because I love doing the optimization part. I know that's not everybody's bag, but like I love working on those kind of things and I don't really love the doing the day to day work. So that's been really cool for me. Okay. Any final tips on this? I know obviously there's a lot more you could be saying, but just like to kind of wrap up from what we've gone through today.
0: So there's one thing that we didn't touch on that I will set as the backdrop for Chuck and making sure that you're focused on the right things. And that is make sure that you have clarity of vision and where you want to take your business, regardless of whether you can see 10, 20 years into the future, or if you can't see past, you know, a year and a half from now, it doesn't matter. Have an idea where you're going because you're not going to be able to effectively assess if something is in alignment, if something is fulfilling, if something's giving you the return on investment, or if something's a good investment in the future, unless you know where you're taking things. So what I see so often is people just get so caught up in the day-to-day and the go-go go, 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 that they don't take the time to get really clear on where they're going. And when that happens, it's really easy to overwork. It's really easy to make things more complex because everything feels important when you don't have that filter to be able to look at, to say, is this actually where I wanna take things? So if you have that clarity of vision, That to me is one of the most important things that you can do to yourself, up for yourself. And then from there, it makes Chuck a whole lot easier to leverage to get clear on where to focus, what's working and what to optimize.
1: Beautiful, lovely. Okay, so get clear on your vision, map out all of the different steps you've got in your business, find the places that are, unoptimized or you know either need replacing or or improving and tweaking track what all the results are within each of those stages so you know exactly how well it's converting make a list of your optimization backlog one hour a week work through those things find places through that that can buy you back time so maybe you can do two hours a week working on these things in future and gradually work through that then every 90 days go back and do the chuck process all over again start again and kind of add stuff back in okay sounds like Not the easiest work, but something very, very important to do. Beautiful. Yep. If people heard this and they want some more of your wisdom, where should they go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a podcast as well, as you mentioned at the beginning, you can find that at leanoutpodcast.com. And I talk a whole lot more about what we talked about here. And if you want to dive in and look at the other areas of waste that we touched on, you could get that at leanoutmethod.com slash waste.
1: Beautiful. All right. Krista, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, thanks so much to everybody who's listened. And if you found this useful, and you want to get more episodes like this, then hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Thank you all very much.